just want to make one quick admin note before we get into the word this morning. I have uh, four copies of Kevin Young, a book titled Do Not Be True to Yourself. This is for teen and young adults. And the subtitle of this book is Countercultural Advice for the Rest of Your Life. Living in this narcissistic world that we're living in, this is a great uh, introduction to how you are to think for the rest of your life. So if you're a teen, particularly a teen or a young adult, this is for you. I got four copies. If I need to get more, I'll get more. But there'll be four copies in the back. Now, if you have a copy of God's word, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we'll be looking at verses uh, 20 through 22 this morning. And we'll be speaking on the topic, faith that pleases God must be passed on. It must be passed on. Our outline this morning has one main point, forward-looking faith. That's, that's what we'll be looking at, forward-looking faith, faith that looks beyond this life uh, to the future promises of God. Subpoints we'll be looking at be submit to the will of God. This is what forward-looking faith does. It submits to the will of God. Verse 20, verse 21, it's confident of the things to, go, uh, to come. In verse 22, it believes in a better future. So look with me at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 through 22. Follow along as I read God's word. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. This ends the reading of God's word. The goal of the writer of Hebrews has been to demonstrate to his audience that true faith perseveres to the end of life. This, is, this has been his focus, true faith in Christ perseveres to the end of life. And we saw last week with Abraham that Abraham's faith in God's promises not only persevered through uh, his life, he saw that God's promises impacted the life of Isaac, his son. And not only Isaac, no doubt, the, the future generations. He saw that the promises of, of land, blessings, and the seed went beyond death into the future. And if you remember, he was willing to sacrifice his own son because he believed 
in the promises of God that that in spite of the difficulty that he faced and fight in spite of the contradiction that he faced when God commanded him to sacrifice his son, he understood that the promises of God were still yes and amen. And he went through with it in his mind, even though he didn't sacrifice Isaac, it was already a done deal in his mind because he knew that God would keep his promise, that God, if he went through with it, God would raise Isaac from the dead to keep his promise. And so we looked at that last week. Today, we'll see the, the faith in, uh, in the future promises, uh, in the face of death, in the lives of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. These are the sons. Isaac is the son of Abraham. Jacob is the grandson, and Joseph is the great-grandson. And the promises that, that God passed gave to Abraham was passed on to his descendants. And we'll see that here today. And this is what the writer uh, has been alluding to all along, that, that this is what true faith looks like. And th- he said in Hebrews eleven thirteen, these all died in faith. Each, each of these men that we're going to look at here, each of them, beloved, had the same faith as Abraham. Each of them, had no earthly inheritance like Abraham. And, and despite their weaknesses like Abraham, you, we know the weaknesses of Isaac and, and Jacob. They, they, they all trusted God and responded in faith to his revealed promises. All of them, they all responded in faith to God's revealed promises. Promises. Each of them knew that God would remain faithful to his promises to their descendants, even beyond death. So they blessed. They blessed the, 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 the next generation. They passed on instructions to the next generation because they trusted in God's promise. MacArthur noted in reference uh, to, to this, he said, quote, what makes the dying faith of these three men so significant is that like Abraham, they died without seeing the fulfillment of God's promises. They passed them on to their children by faith. They had received the promises by faith and had passed them on by faith. He added, they were so confident in God's word that they passed on their promises to the children. They believed what they had never seen. And they passed on what they had never seen to their children. And he said, this is the assurance of faith. They, they had no inheritance to pass on, but the promises of God. This is what they had. And these were considered a great treasure to bequeath to their children, end quote. And for us today, beloved, if we want our children to have favor with God, we too must be passing, or first we must be believing, (laughs) and we must be passing on what we believe. We must trust God. We must submit to his will. We must pass along his truth to our children. 
And so let's look at forward-looking faith in these following verses. And first, we'll see that faith submits to the will of God. Look at verse 20, where the writer of Hebrews focuses on Isaac's life. And he said, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Remember, Isaac is the the child of promise. He's the long-awaited son of Abraham and Sarah. And Isaac uh, observed and and no doubt remembered the promises of, of his father, Abraham, and those promises, his faith in those promises impacted him and his generation. Turn to Genesis chapter 25. We'll be bouncing back and forth. There's quite a, a lot of scripture that we could look at. We'll try to keep it brief. Genesis chapter 25. And kind of get the background of Isaac. Genesis 25, and I start reading at verse number 19, and I'll read through verse 34. Notice in verse 19, these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son, Abraham fathered Isaac. This is a Important for us to remember, Abraham is the one who received the promises from God and he fathered his son, Isaac, because of the miraculous power of God. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethel, and the Armin and Padon Aram, the son of Laban, the Aramin, to be his wife. Verse 21. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. This is similar to Abraham, his father. Uh, wife, Sarah, was also barren. And it says, And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Notice verse 23. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. Notice the one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And this is contrary to the culture because it was always the older that had the prominence. It was always the older child, the older son that, that received the chief blessing. God reversed it here by his electing grace. The older uh, shall serve the young. And this is before they were born. This is, this is God's choosing before their birth. And there's a reversal here. The younger will be the heir of the promise. 
And, and it says, when her days to give birth was completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. And there came out red. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. And this will be used later on to, to deceive. Like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's uh, heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore him. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skilled hunter and a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Notice verse 28. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. Isaac was thinking about his stomach. And he loved Esau, which was, which was the older. But Rebekah loved Jacob. This is a dysfunctional family. If you read a little bit more, this, this family, there was a lot of dysfunction. And yet God still worked through this family. And uh, look at uh, verse number 29. Once Jacob was cooking uh, stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew. Probably that stew they cooked down there in Texas. For I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Then Esau despised, thus Esau despised his birthright. Look down at chapter 26. And we'll see here that God's promise, God, God reiterates the, the promise to Isaac. In verse number three, it says, sojourn to this land at my faith. Verse two, it says, and the Lord appeared to, to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, dwell in the land of which I shall tell you, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and bless you for to you and to your offspring, I will give these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Here it is. God is passing on the promises that he gave to Isaac father Abraham. And he said in verse five, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Turn over to chapter 27 and we'll see here that uh, Isaac now blesses Jacob. Genesis chapter 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that they could not see, he saw Esau and noticed the emphasis, his older son, and said to him, my son. 
sounds like Abraham talking to, to Isaac when he was offering him up. It's this intimacy that, 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 that he had for, for, for Esau. He said, Esau. And Esau, he said to him, my son, and he answered, here I am. He said, behold, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Here is the issue again. Who did God say Isaac should bless? It was the younger son, Jacob. But Isaac favored Esau. It's this, we're talking about dysfunctional family. He favored Esau. And he's going against what God has commanded. And it wasn't just Isaac. Verse 5, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke. To his son, notice that. You, you hear parents sometimes say when they're divided in the home, my son, your son, your child, my child. Listen, now Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son. It, this is her son too. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebecca said to her son, this is their son. Rebecca said to her son, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now Rebecca is scheming. She's going to scheme to deceive her husband Isaac. And she's going she's gonna to take advantage. Remember, it said that in verse 1, when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim. She's going to take advantage of that. This is his wife. She's going to take advantage of this. Now, but, but in the, God, God is still working in spite of all of this trickery, in spite of all of this deception. God is going to use it because God is working all things according to his purpose. And you know the story that uh, Rebecca, she, she made a meal and she took these, these, these skins and put them on Jacob so that he would seem that he, he would smell and, and feel like, like Esau. And she sent them in to Isaac. And Isaac pulled him near and he thought that Jacob was Esau and, you know, he passed on the blessing. He, he unknowingly passed on and blessed Jacob. And, and, and he spoke with confidence concerning the, the promises of God. In verse 28, he says, may God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's son bow down to you. 
Cursed be anyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And as soon as Isaac finished blessing Jacob, verse 30, and Jacob had uh, scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Verse 32, his father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. (laughs) Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who is it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. Isaac knew that the, that, the, that the blessing that he passed on could not be reversed. And he believed God. He believed uh, what God had promised, and he believed that God would honor the blessing that he passed down. He, he unknowingly blessed Jacob, but, but in the end, uh, as as his eyes grew dim, he eventually embraced God's plan. Turn to chapter 27, verse number three, uh, 33. He, he eventually, he trembled very violently and he said, who is it then that hunted again? He, he, he now, we see that he is beginning, even though he was bewitched, he's now embracing by faith the promises that he invoked. On Jacob. This is an important lesson for us to 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 learn here about true faith, because eventually he yielded to uh, God and he embraced what God has said in his word and he stopped seeking his own will. And so the writer here back in Hebrews, he, he says that Isaac invoked these blessings with hope for the future by faith. He 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 submitted to God. He he submitted to God's perfect plan, and he acted in accordance with His will. And beloved, our faith will not always be perfect, and it may take us a long time to embrace God's will. But ultimately, like Isaac, we got true faith. True faith accepts God's will and acts in accordance with God's will over personal preferences. This this is what true faith looks like. It's not perfect. Isaac wasn't perfect. But in the end, he embraced by faith God's promises. And God worked in his family in spite of the scheming of Isaac, Rebecca, and Jake. They all scheming. And this is this should remind us of Proverbs 16 and 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his step. God used the the joint deception of of Isaac and and Rebecca and and Jacob. He used all of this deception to to bless Jacob. And no doubt, Isaac learned the lesson of the psalmist. That in Psalm 33, verses 10 through 11, it said, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. 
The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. God's plan stands irregardless of our manipulation. Especially when it comes to our children. Thinking we got some kind of control. Thinking we got some kind of control over our children and their future. We manipulate. We scheme. But God's plan will stand. He possesses and he will overrule our plan. He, he, he has the right to do things differently because he is God. In this culture, the, the, the older son received the chief blessing, but God overrode that because he is God. And where did the blessing come from anyway? That Isaac is passing down. Where did it come from? God. God is the one who gave them the promise. And God can do whatever he wants. He, he, he can do whatever. He governs. He rules. He overrules to shape our lives and the lives of our children. Even in the midst of dysfunction. He's the potter. We're the clay. This is what this, this story about Isaac teaches us. Go back and there, there's, there's a lot there. Go back and read it. This is what it teaches us. That God is working out his plan. Even in the midst of our sin. You may be in a family situation that's not ideal. You may be listening online and you may be living in the hood. Where there's drugs, prostitution. But God is faithful to his promise. If you don't know him by faith, come to him. Come to Christ. And Christ can change you in the midst of your situation. Submit your life to him. Parents, submit your life. To Christ. Look at verse 21. We'll see here that true faith not only submits to the will of God, but is confident of the things to come. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. When Jacob and his family traveled to Egypt in Genesis chapter 47, Joseph his son and Pharaoh welcome, welcome Jacob and his family. Jacob and his family settled in the land of Goshen, the best land of Egypt. And he was there for 17 years and they became prosperous, according to Genesis chapter 47, verses 26 through 28. There was something about Jacob and his life as he got older. He turned from being a trickster to being a truster. He, he had the uh, wealth of, of Egypt. He was prosperous. He and his family was prosperous. And, 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 and yet the wealth of Egypt never appealed to him. In, in Egypt, his, his hopes was, was, was on the things 
of the people of God. Remember, Joseph was there and there was a famine and Joseph received Jacob and his family. And, and this is why he was he was prosperous there. And, and, and yet the, the prosperity of, of Egypt never had his heart. As Jacob knew that his days were on earth, was was drawing close to an end, he asked Joseph to swear to him that he would not be buried in Egypt. Turn to Genesis chapter 47. Genesis chapter 47. This is forward-looking faith. Genesis chapter 47, verses 29 and 30. In fact, I start reading at verse 27. Genesis chapter 47, verse 27. Thus, Israel, his name has been changed. He's no longer the trickster. Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it and were fruitful and uh, multiplied greatly. It's God keeping his promise. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life were 147 years. And when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph to him, uh, Joseph and said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Don't bury, do not bury me in Egypt. And, and, and notice here that in verse 30, this is before it even happened. Jo, uh, 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 Jacob is going to mention the Exodus. Look at verse 30. He says, but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt. He knew that they were coming out of Egypt. This is well it, this is well in advance before they came out of Egypt. He knew it was going to happen. Why? Because God promised it. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. He answered, I would do as you have said. And he said, swear to me. And he swore to him. Then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. And Hebrews, it says that uh, Jacob, that uh, that he he uh, that he worshipped. I'm kind of get ahead of myself here. That he bowed uh, in verse 21 of Hebrews chapter 11 says, and Jacob, when bow when dying, blessed each of his sons of of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. This is where it is mentioned. And there's a seemingly uh, contradiction here in Genesis. It says bed and in the uh, Septuagint, it says staff. It's a reference in a sense to to the same thing. Uh, There's no contradiction here uh, in the text. But it says that Jacob, when dying, blessed. uh, First, he blessed Joseph, which is uh, the younger son. He blessed him with the chief blessing, and then he blessed Joseph's two sons, which were his grandchildren. 
in verse in chapter 48. And it says, after this, Joseph told, uh, was told, behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was told to Jacob, your son, Joseph, has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and set up in, his, in, in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. And I will make of you a company of peoples and will give you and give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. He adopted Joseph's sons in a sense, Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simon are. And the children that you father after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in the inheritance. And go down to verse number nine. Joseph said to his father, there are my sons whom God had given me they're here, and he said, bring them to me that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed from, uh, them from his knees and bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, uh, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger. Here again is a reversal uh, that was countercultural. He laid it on Ephraim, who was the younger and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my father Abraham and I walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life, long to this day, the angel who redeemed me from all evil, blessed the boys and, and in them, let my name be carried on in the name of my father's Abraham, and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And jo Joseph said to his father, Now this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn, put your right hand on his head. But notice verse 19, but his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know he also shall become a people and he shall also be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. Joseph tried to, he thought that Jacob was making a mistake and he tried to reverse his hand. But Jacob said, I have done that, which is right. Don't we? No, this, this is the way it is. And this is the way it's going to be. So in verse 20, so he blessed them that day saying, uh, by you, Israel, uh, we'll pronounce blessings saying, God, make 
you as Ephraim and as Manasseh, thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. And it said in verse 21, Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and you will bring and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. And moreover, I will give to you rather than to your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and my bow. The blessings of Abraham being passed down from one generation to the next, and it is being done in a way contrary to the culture. God works his plan according to his purpose and his way, irregardless of what we might think. This is what Jacob teaches us. We need to focus on the things to come rather than on what we desire. Look at, go back to Hebrews chapter 11. The last verse we'll look at is verse 22. True faith believes in a better future. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Think about Joseph in his life and all the difficulty that Joseph experienced from his own family, all the success that Joseph experienced while he was in Egypt, but he never lost faith in God and his promises. His brothers, out of envy and hatred, they sold him into Egyptian slavery. And, 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 and he had been in Egypt since he was a teenager. And, 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 and yet his focus is on the promises of God. He never forgot the promises of God to give uh, to the, the, the seed of Abraham the land of Canaan. He, he, he never forgot that. And I, in Genesis chapter 48, verse 21, Isaac uh, said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God be with you and will bring you into the land again. Jacob is passing down the promises, the knowledge of the promises of God to Joseph, and, and he remembered this. He, and no doubt he remembered the promise to, to, that was passed, that was given to, uh, to, to Abraham. Genesis 15, verses 13 through 14 says, The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. And I will bring judgment on that nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Joe, uh, Joseph's eyes was on these future promises of God and giving evidence to this fact, giving evidence to his faith in the future promises of God. He acted by giving instructions and requiring an oath that his bones should be carried out of Egypt. You talking about believing. In Genesis chapter 50, verses 24 through 26, it says, and Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land. 
to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and they put, uh, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And guess what? Moses carried him out. This is because of these things being really not things that 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 we experience ourselves or passing the inheritance and things like that down to 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 out to the next generation the, and the promise of God. These these things kind of are kind of foreign to us, but these are all expressions of what true faith looks like. It, it, if it trusts in the promises of God for us today, if we trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to pass it down to our children. We're going to live out our faith in front of our children. We're going to do it unashamedly. We're going to, we're going to shape their lives according to the word of God. Isaac Jacob and Joseph acted by faith, and even as they faced death, they passed down the promises of God. And we too must live by faith in Christ and die by faith in Christ. And knowing that the, the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen, they will be fulfilled. Even if our children rebel, God can overcome that rebellion. If we rebel, God can overcome our rebellion. We can make a mess of things in the lives of our children. We as parents make mistakes all and, and we sin all the time. But in Christ, that's that's where our assurance a lot uh Lies. There is no condemnation in Christ and what we mess up, God can fix. He can. He, 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 he can. I think about this as, as a father to my boys and my daughter. God can fix it. I got grandchildren. Not sure. What their future hold. Got three of them, little, little jokers. But God knows. My daughter's living in rebellion with my grandchildren. And the temptation is fix it. You can fix it. See, this, this his home with me. Because there's rebellion taking place. And I can't do anything about it. But when I read these passages, knowing even 
in the midst of my mistake, I passed down the gospel. I lived out the gospel the best I could. And I trust that God is going to do the rest. God is creating worshipers in the nation. And my children is a part of that nation that the gospel is going out into. And God said that his word would go forth and accomplish what he purposed that it accomplished. And I pray that he brings all of my children to salvation. And I pray that he give me the grace and I pray the same for you, that God will give you the grace to live in front of your children as if you believe in the promises of God. Tell your children, tell your children that that faith in Christ, that faith in Christ, it is through faith in Christ that all people from all nations become Abraham's spiritual offspring. That it's in Christ that we become heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Tell your children of God's great purpose in the world, that God's great purpose in the world is for his name to be worshipped by everyone, everywhere, and in every generation. Don't be ashamed to tell your children that. And when your sin gets in the way of your plans. And when you do things selfishly, submit to God. Don't try to manipulate the situation. You're going to make it worse. Submit to God. Submit to him because, it, it uh, again, it is real easy for us to think that we got control when it comes to our children. It's real easy to deceive ourselves to think that we're in control. The song, uh, Proverbs 16 and 1 says the plans of the heart belong to man. But the steps of a man belong to the Lord. He is sovereign over everything. He, he is sovereign over our plans. He's sovereign over our children. He's sovereign over your life. It may not, you may not have children. You may be dealing with a sickness. You, you, you may say, you know what? I, I never thought I would be doing this. Never thought I'd be single. I never thought I'd be dealing with this sickness. Cancer was not in my plans. I never imagined that my spouse would leave me. But beloved, submit your way to God. Submit your ways, your plans to him. 
and grow in your understanding of God's word. And this is the only assurance that we have. And, and know that whatever happens in your life, that it does not happen apart from the sovereign purpose of Lord of the Lord. I, I, I want you to get this. Nothing. Nothing you're going through in your life. Nothing your children are dealing with. Hear me, beloved. Nothing your children are dealing with. Children, nothing you are dealing with, the, the struggles that you have, the difficulties that you have. These things do not trump God's sovereign power. And per, do you hear me? Nothing trumps God. And whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, nothing trumps God. Believe him. Don't go after the world. Believe him. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that Scripture is real. We, we live fake lives in front of people sometimes, thinking we got it all together. And, and, and in secret, our lives and our families are falling apart. Scripture speaks the truth that we live in a fallen world. We're fallen people and our family is fallen. And outside of Christ, we have no hope. Thank you that, that, that we can go to your word and find truth that even in the midst of our mess ups, we can be confident that you are at work. And this is an important truth for our children to grasp because our faith must become their faith as well. And no children, no child can escape God's demand of their responding to Christ the Savior. You can't make excuses and say my parents did this and my parents did that. You must embrace the same faith as your parents. Who are sinners saved by grace. Who make mistakes. Father, thank you. Thank you that it's not dependent upon us and our plans for the future success of our children. Thank you, it's not dependent upon us. Thank you that it is dependent upon Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we bless your name. You're so gracious. We thank you that you have given us your word so that we can pass it on to our children. We thank you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.